Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's Mormon Discussion Podcast, all one word, dot org. You can do this for as little as $3 a month or $25 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to be with you today. And excited to have this conversation. Today's episode, Down the Rabbit Hole. And before we get into the episode, I simply want to make the listeners aware of some really cool things that are happening right now. We are beginning to create some events where I, or perhaps even other hosts within the Mormon Discussion Umbrella, will begin traveling around and doing some events. These events can involve us talking about uh, faith transitions, the LDS gospel topic essays, different facets of church history. We can have small groups. We can have big groups. And the cost for these events is really inexpensive. So let me share a couple of ones that we have scheduled. On September 16th, at my home in southern Utah, we are going to have a a small group setting where we talk about the LDS Gospel Topic Essays. What my goal is to do is to establish a safe space where everybody there recognizes that there are people in this room who have gone through a deep and painful faith transition, and there are others in this room who are very orthodox in believing. To make the space safe for both sides to recognize they're holding different positions, but can we build bridges on this night? that help us to better understand each other so that we can love and care for each other in the midst of these differences. And then we're going to walk everyone in the room through each of the essays, talk about the historical repercussions from the data that's in there, and give people plenty of time to ask questions and get answers to their questions. Uh, There were 30 tickets for that event, We've uh, already moved 19 of those tickets, so there's 11 tickets remaining. These tickets were free, 15 of them were free. The other 15 were donation tickets. So all you had to do was donate a penny, uh, up to as much as you wanted to donate. All that money goes into the podcast and helps us to continue doing events like this. So any of these events we do around uh, faith crisis and people in their in their pain and angst, of those transitions or trying to build bridges of understanding and empathy between a believer and their loved one who is in a, in a faith transition, those events will be relatively inexpensive or completely donation based where the person coming can determine the amount on November 4th in the Las Vegas area. We will be in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, we will be at the home of a good friend of mine. And that event has room for 40 people. We will talk that night about Joseph Smith's folk magic, treasure digging, seer stones, 
uh, and we will get into the nitty-gritty details of the history. It'll be a fun historical uh, exploration, and again, we will leave plenty of time for questions and answers. And that event has uh, a pre-presentation dinner that is $15 a head, and then the presentation itself is $10 a head. And the money for the dinner goes to pay for the dinner, goes to pay for the preparation for that. Uh, we've done these events in the past in Henderson, and the dinners have been awesome. I think the event has always been awesome. And the presentation itself is only $10, and that money goes towards the podcast and helps me to fund doing these trips so that we can make these happen more often. I need to also follow that up with, if you are in an area where you've got 10, 15, 20, maybe 50 people um, around you that you know are kind of thinking about these things, or you know you live in an area where this is something that we could easily put together and get enough people to show up. And I would say if if we can get maybe 10 to 15 people who are willing to, on some level, financially support uh, the travel and the event, uh, then let's, you know, reach out to me at realmormon at gmail.com, R-E-E-L-M-O-R-M-O-N at gmail.com. Let me know that, hey, I live in, you know, such and such Utah or Arizona or Idaho or, or whatever area that is somewhat heavily Mormon, or you think you can get enough Latter-day Saints to show up to the event. Tell me what kind of event would be important to you. Do you want to have a fun historical exploration of some topic, or would you rather sit down and have a conversation about the the angst and tension that you and your loved ones and those of your friends and and those you care about are going through. If you're a church leader and you want me to stop over and and have a fireside in your ward on a fifth Sunday or to do some other kind of activity in your ward building where we talk about faith development, where we talk about stages of faith, where we try to give people the tools necessary to kind of prepare themselves for that kind of growth, and to kind of shield themselves from that deep, painful faith crisis, please, again, reach out to me, realmormon at gmail.com. Let's begin putting these events together. Let's begin building bridges. Let's begin helping the listeners like you navigate your Mormonism by leading with faith. Now on to today's episode, Down the Rabbit Hole. So this will be pretty quick, and I simply want to state that there is one really deep conundrum of, and I've asked this question, I've, I've created an episode completely around it before, but I want to go into detail about just how deep this rabbit hole goes. So how much of the narrative has to change? How much of the narrative is problematic? Richard Bushman, as all of you essentially know, maybe there's one person in this audience today who has not heard this, but Richard Bushman recently stated, the dominant narrative is not true. It cannot sustain itself. Now think about that for a moment. The dominant narrative, meaning the narrative that generally is the more heavily relied upon story. It's the narrative that Mormonism as an institution has conveyed. It is the narrative that the membership generally has conveyed. It is the story we tell each other. That narrative, Richard Bushman says, is not true. And he says it cannot sustain itself. In other words, we can't keep going with this narrative. Patrick Mason has said, quote, One of the problems we have in Mormonism is that we have loaded too much into the truth cart. 
unquote. And he also says, quote, over the years, the church leadership and laity have done, have also done our religion no favors by putting more in the truth cart than the cart could possibly bear. Many of the things which trouble people are things that we probably should never have been all that dogmatic about in the first place. I find that a little humility about our doctrine, especially given the contingencies of its historical development, goes a long way in remaining remaining satisfied with the whole. And the question is, what is the whole, right? If the, if the dominant narrative is not true and it cannot sustain itself, if the overlying story that we tell in our faith is untrue and it cannot last, like what is the whole of Mormonism that we're going to have humility about and hang on to? From my perspective, these two hit the nail on the head. Not only is the truth card overloaded, Patrick Mason says there the fruit is rotting and it's falling out. And there's a tendency for us to want to dump the entire truth card. And and while we can make the argument that there's still some good fruit in there, if there is rotten, moldy food with flies swarming around it and it's touching the good fruit, and the good fruit is is a small minimum of that cart, like what do we do with it? But they hit the nail on the head. Our leaders have overreached deeply. Our institution has overreached deeply. We as lay members have overreached deeply. In fact, I could argue easily that essentially every single facet of our narrative has become problematic when all of the data is laid on the table. So take a moment. Let's just pause for a second. Think about the story that we tell each other in our manuals, in our lessons, in our talks, in our books, in the correlated material, pick any facet of our narrative and ask yourself, like, is there one facet that I can grab onto and is not problematic when the data is laid on the table? Mason has also publicly stated on my podcast when we did an interview that we have to redefine what is a prophet and we have to do it quickly. And yet you can sense that the leadership is really hesitant to begin giving new rhetoric and to articulate a new position on what is a prophet. And yet Mason says this has to happen quickly because again, Bushman, the dominant narrative is not true. It cannot sustain itself. And if we don't begin making some of these deep shifts, there begins to be a deeper and deeper discrepancy between people who understand the data and see where all the logic leads us and the narrative that the church is trying to hold to. So there's a historically defensible, accurate narrative. And then there's the dominant narrative. And the divide between those two is growing the more we learn and the more people who learn it. The Joseph Fielding Smith and Bruce R. McConkie Mormonism imposed itself as the real Mormonism. And that kind of starts like in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. And that Mormonism is so entrenched in our manuals and in our rhetoric and our perspective. And it is almost entirely overreaching, full of false doctrines and now disavowed theories. So we have, so what do we have to renegotiate? What of the narrative has to change? Think about this. We have to renegotiate the first vision. We have to renegotiate priesthood restoration and what all that means. We have to renegotiate what is priesthood and who has it 
And what does it mean to use priesthood? We have to take all the supernatural magic out of how God works. We have to make room for most scriptural stories to be figurative, including parts of the Book of Mormon. And we have to renegotiate our view of Joseph's marriage to Emma. And we have to begin telling the messy details in deep extent of Joseph's polygamy and treasure digging. We have to increase the value of how God is working outside the church and how people acting on behalf of God outside Mormonism have a similar effect as within. We have to reduce the gift of the Holy Ghost to not being that much different than a non-member has in their interaction on their spiritual walk. We have to do a sleight of hand from Nephite interpreters to seer stones in a hat. We have to reduce Joseph's translation efforts to much less than we claim them to be. We have to allow for Joseph to insert it, to have inserted large chunks of his own culture and his own experience into the Book of Mormon and the Book of Abraham. We have to remove all the miracle stories in our narrative that the data now demonstrably shows were embellished myths. We have to take Joseph Smith and current leaders off the pedestals we have placed them on, allowing them to be just as flawed and just as sinful as the rest of us, with little direct contact with God, or we have to create a God who cares little about the deep errors that they make, so as to talk with them directly, but not to correct them on any of their false teachings. In all seriousness, what facets of our story do you think are unaffected by the data. And once you come to grips with just how widespread the contradictions to our narrative are, the next hop, skip, and a jump leads to realizing that the critics defined our narrative way more accurately than we did institutionally. And once you step back and see how we essentially overreached on everything, then I just shake my head. And I wonder how we know when we get anything right. And and this isn't a smart aleck answer or a smart aleck question. Like this is a real question. And 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 the answers to this like have serious repercussions. Lastly, let me ask each of you a question to which I see no good answer, but which probes us to consider the deep conundrum that our faith is in in this precipice moment. And yes, I have asked it over and over because the repercussions of leaning into this question are so far reaching. Here it is. If Brigham Young thought his Adam God teachings were from God and from revelation from on high, and the members of his day also said they knew by revelation that what he taught was true only to have later leaders declare his teachings false doctrine and acknowledge his teachings distorted the very character of God. Remember, guys, Bruce R. McConkie taught that knowing the true character of God was one of the most important, if not the most important thing you could do. Now imagine his prophet, God's prophet, leading us astray on the very character of God, which today's leaders disavow the Adam-God teachings and call them false doctrine. And if every prophet and his counselors, as well as the Quorum of the Twelve, from Brigham Young all the way to Spencer W. Kimball, believed that those of color being cursed 
and less valiant in the premortal life was a doctrinal belief that came from God and that the teaching prevented a segment of God's children from receiving saving ordinances. And the majority of members throughout that time also believing these teachings that they came from God only to have later leaders disavow these as false doctrines or disavowed theories. Then, then, what chance do you and I have to know with confidence that we have attained an answer from the Holy Ghost, from a prophet, from our spiritual work? How are we to know with certainty we have attained the will of God when it appears others were so certain they had only to have taught and believed falsely. As I always say, this gets really messy, and very few of us want to really explore the repercussions of these rabbit holes. It's my hope and prayer that we can begin to make the shift, that we can begin to acknowledge more deeply our overreaching, that we can begin to define these terms and events and experiences in ways that can mesh with the data. And yes, we're going to have to relinquish a lot. We're going to have to admit just how wrong we get it and how often we've got it wrong and how serious those wrongs have been. And we're going to have to acknowledge that our contact with the divine is much, much less than we had imposed. But it's my hope we can get there. As you explore these rabbit holes... May each of you find the support and validation you need as you traverse through your spiritual journey. May the Lord warm your shoulders. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen.